I found my nemesis at 14. That was over 20 years ago, and I've had several since, of course, but you never forget your first. (sighs) I've been competitive since birth. I'm not saying this is a good thing, but it is a fact. I also love talking. That lethal combination found itself a natural home when I heard about statewide speech competitions. In case you're unfamiliar with this specific niche of theater kid nerddom, here's all you need to know. There are a bunch of categories, and middle and high school students compete against each other in various sections and subsections in a desperate battle to achieve the ultimate goal, to go to state. Categories include duo interpretation, where you would perform a two-person scene, usually from a play, great speeches, where you might see I Have a Dream, followed by The Gettysburg Address, followed by Lou Gehrig's Luckiest Man. My category, though, was creative expression. This is important to note because it's one of few categories that involve writing your own piece. One of its strengths is that it's completely open in terms of tone, subject matter, and delivery. This is also what made it infuriating. Each year, I wrote a new comedic piece. On competition days, I'd wake up incredibly early, spend an hour on my hair, which was often pink, platinum, purple, or some combination of the three, and board the bus before the sun rose. I applied my makeup while on the road. Even then, I was brave enough to use liquid eyeliner while in transit, the source of my greatest pride. Once firmly set up in whichever school's cafeteria or auditorium or cafetorium we were in for the day, I'd run through a series of vocal warm-ups and then rehearse my piece several times, ideally speaking directly to the corner of a room, like a way nerdier ending to the Blair Witch Project. This was a coveted spot snatched up by only a lucky few, because rooms famously don't have that many corners. I had to be prepared because I knew I was about to face off with my nemesis, Sure, there were lots of other kids, but I wasn't really worried about them. My biggest competition was a tiny, somber girl who looked like she crawled out of the frame of a painting designed to make you sad. And every year she would write and perform the most devastatingly depressing thing I'd ever heard. And then I'd have to do my goofy story about a rabid squirrel immediately following what was probably a monologue about war crimes. Sometimes she won, sometimes I won but it was always a paper cut under my fingernail to see her coming my way. I used to cross my fingers and hope she had too much indigestion to attend the meet. And sometimes she'd miss one. And while I should have relished her absence, I'd mostly just be disappointed. For what are we without our greatest oppositional force? Today on this small town, rivals, brawls, and funeral catering. Welcome to episode four, Grudge Match. One day in the summer of 2018, a video from my hometown popped up on social media. Key Teeters, who was, at the time, the news director at KTRF Radio, was standing in front of City Hall. The video had more views than the population of Thief River Falls, and hundreds of comments and reactions. It was clear that something quite unusual was happening, but, as it turns out, it had been building up for a really, really long time. This is the story of the brawl at City Hall. So, 
I have to talk about it, about the old City Hall brawl, um, <laughs> which I don't know where I got that phrase. Maybe I know you where said you it. got it. Was yes. it you? I used it on the air, and that's what it kind of became. And I don't think, you know, I hate sensationalized news, Allison, but I don't think that that was sensationalized at all. This is Key Teeters herself. The reason many people heard about this story to begin with, and someone I've known almost my entire life. I knew I couldn't talk about this story without talking to her. But to really understand how we got here, here being a side room during a city council committee meeting, with a septuagenarian getting up from the ground wielding a chair at a man in his 30s who often walked with a cane, we have to go back. Back to what is actually quite a sad story. Here's Key again. There was a dreadful drowning. That's what started mm. it. Um, I believe she was a high school junior, and she had gone to the beach. She'd gone without her inhaler, and mm. she went into the water when she came back out again. She wasn't breathing well, and she didn't have her inhaler with her, so her the, her friends took her to her house, but by the time she got to her house, she was in real distress. She passed away so sad. but wow, at, and I've was, never heard that part of it. And it was one of several drownings that I knew about. This had to be the very first year I worked at the radio station. There was a man in town named Charlie Oaks, and he was at what was called the Day Activity Center in those days. And he was a dynamic personality (laughs) in a lot of ways, good and bad. But he organized the swimming pool committee, and people, because of what had happened, they just flocked to it. And people donated quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. And then Charlie took a new position, and he left town. And that leadership role, it just never got filled again, Allison. And so the money had been donated to uh, the, to an account that was being held by the city of Thief River Falls. It wasn't their money, but they had agreed to create a space for it in their bookkeeping. And they invested it at a time that interest rates were doing really well. And the fund grew to you know what a lot of people would consider a lot of money. But we never found the leadership to make that money turn into a pool. That's right. This whole thing is about a public pool. A pool that doesn't exist, has never existed, and has been in the local consciousness for 40 years. The pool and the debate surrounding it are so ubiquitous in my hometown that anytime someone brings up a possibly contentious subject, you'll hear a chorus of, here we go again, this is just like the public pool. So, Why have we gone four decades with no pool and at least one physical altercation? We kind of came to the the opinion, the thought that we couldn't afford a pool. Even if we could build it, we didn't really have the tax dollars to maintain it. And that's when the idea of the Splash Park came up. The discussion on it just needed and still needs leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, But for it to come to actual physical blows or any kind of a physical altercation was shocking. Yeah. Nothing at city government, county government, nothing in general should come, especially the swimming pool. Of all things. Or the splash park or something (laughs) recreational. It just shouldn't come to blows. And it was shocking to me that it did. I don't know what Josh, I mean, I talked to Josh at length about this when I was still news director. It's been many, many years ago. And I don't know where his perspective is now. Me neither. So I talked to former city councilman and half of the brawl at City Hall, Josh Hagen. Picture a young upstart. Well, he was 38 when he became a council member, but for the government, that's basically a teenager. The average age of a congressman, for instance, is about 60 years old. 
Well, my name is Josh Hagan. Why did you want to be a city councilman? What was that about? You're making a face like, <laughs> like there's a lot in this question. There is a lot in that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, what led you down this path? I would assume that when someone wants to do that, it's because they either see a lot of growth opportunities for the place they live or and or problems that they would like to help solve. But tell me what your journey was like for that. I was pretty vocal about my opinion on things. Okay. And there were some things happening in town that I did not agree with. And a number of people said I should do it. And I'm, <laughs> I don't know whether I think you that was influenced. a great idea now. <laughs> but... So there are a bunch of um, issues that you cared about. And so you chose to run. You got elected. Were you surprised when you got elected or not? Um, not really. I mean, it was... Yeah, there was some surprise for sure. Do you know how many other people you were up against? Four. Or three other people. So there was a total of four of us running. I won by four votes. Wow. And the guy that was had my position had it requested a, a recount so oh I mean, yeah i bet we recounted it it was it was interesting the same. Yeah. It, i mean this is the part where i stress the importance of voting because wow four votes that's really close closer even than the vote count that led to me becoming the homecoming queen at northland community and technical college in the early 2000s anyway now firmly in place on the city council josh had an idea an idea that he couldn't have known would lead to long-standing public debates both in person and on the internet, a physical altercation, assault charges, and, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Back to the idea. When I was elected, I brought up the idea of building a splash park. A splash park is a lot, has a lot less maintenance mm -hmm. over the years, and they're much, much cheaper to build. Mm -hmm. So... My initial idea was to start a committee and figure out a way to raise funds for this. Mm -hmm. As time went by, I'm like, well, I looked into this actual pool fund and what it was for, and it's not actually designated for a pool. Oh, really? It's outdoor water entertainment, basically. Like the way it's worded, it's not just for a pool. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, this money's just been sitting here for all this time. We can literally build a splash park for what's sitting there in that fund. In case you've been struck by a hankering for a real description of exactly what a splash park is, don't worry, I've got you. A splash park is a tile, stone, or concrete pad with multiple interactive water features on it but which has little to no standing water, kind of like a more stable version of running through a sprinkler. Splash parks are largely aimed at very young children more than anything else, which is part of the criticism of them when it comes to considering a splash park versus a pool. The maintenance compared to a pool is so much cheaper, and it's just a way to, I mean, maybe even open the door to a pool. You know what I mean? So I proposed spending that money on a splash park, having something that we could actually have going by the next summer and actually use the money. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to build a pool, just like 
having it, the architect put it together is going to cost you about as much as it's going to cost to build a splash park. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally that much of a difference. And my goal, because this is a small community, we're trying to bring people into this community. You got to give them something to do. So we did some research on it and talking to other communities, other people that are running pools and splash park. So when we talk to them, their splash park gets used way more than their pool does. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So when it's really, really hot, the pool is very busy. Mm -hmm. But on those mediocre days when it's like 75 degrees, maybe a little muggy, Mm -hmm. kids are still at the splash park. They're not swimming in the pool. Hmm. So after the research, after looking at how much of a cost difference it is, I figured why not spend the money? And originally we didn't want to use that funding, mm-hmm. but I reserve the right to change my mind at any time. So the way I looked at it, if, if it's just sitting there and we can literally put this in for the cost of what's been sitting in this fund for all these years, just do it. Okay, great. So now I have to, you knew I was going to ask about this. I have to ask you about what happened, hmm. um, <laughs> how this all sort of came to a head take me through that what what was going on what was going on at that city council meeting we've arrived folks the day of the brawl tuesday july 10th 2018 that night during a meeting of the city administrative services arenas committee who apparently never bothered to meet about giving the committee a catchier name the pool v splash park debate came up once again but this time the debate quickly turned into an argument which turned into insults, which turned into... There were personal shots taken my way, and... Like what? Let people just saying things? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and there may have been some personal shots that went back. Okay. And Jerry... <laughs> Jerry didn't like it, mm-hmm. so he told me he was going to teach me a lesson. He said that? He said, I'm going to teach you a lesson? Yep. <laughs> and he came around the table and the physical altercation started at that point. Jerry is Gerald Brown, another councilman. According to a Grand Forks Herald piece which ran the following day, Hagen told them the events played out like this. After Brown told Hagen he wanted to teach him a lesson, he got up from his chair and walked to Hagen, who stood up as a reaction. Brown pushed Hagen, and Hagen pushed Brown back, causing Brown to fall to the floor. When Brown stood back up, he picked up a chair and looked as though he may throw it at Hagen. Hagen put his hands up to get the chair away and eventually hit Brown, who again went to the ground. Brown then wrapped his arms around Hagen's legs, and city administrator Rodney Otterness grabbed Hagen from behind. Hagen added that another council member took a swing at him. Everyone eventually let go. In the end, ultimately, getting in a fight with a 74-year-old man, whether you win or not, you're not winning. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, what do you do? And you were how old at that do? time? Well, I was late 30s, but at the same time, I had just gotten off of crutches for uh-huh. 12 months. I was using a cane to walk. 
The incident was covered in press statewide. The following week, Josh Hagen resigned in a fiery, albeit short, speech at City Hall, which can still be viewed online. I also reviewed the minutes for this meeting, which was on July 17, 2018. The very first page, titled Council Proceedings, starts with a list of who was in attendance. Immediately following that is an item titled Public Forum. Listed there is a single sentence. Council Member Hagen resigned. According to Inforum, both Josh Hagen and Gerald Brown pleaded guilty to misdemeanor disorderly conduct charges in relation to the incident on July 10, 2018. Both men's charges were set to disappear from their records six months later, assuming they didn't break any more laws. Before this all happened, what was your relationship like with Jerry? Pre this, like, were you friendly? Did you not ever speak to each other before? Were you, did you have an uneasy? Jerry was the representative with me when I had the recount. So me and Jerry were friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't, even after that, I didn't really hold anything against him. And Jerry's passed now. Mm -hmm. So Did you speak again after that? No. Like what was the fallout of this? He actually passed not that long after that. And I've talked to all the other council members and people that were in that room. There's no grudge to be held. Do you feel like anyone is to blame for this? Or do you feel like you both just got really too riled up in the moment? There's others (laughs) that were involved in that too. So like there was, there was a lot of like hollering and arguing. Oh, on the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. Through other council members and Part of when I ran was because that was happening regularly. And Rachel, if you and you can go back and look at video, like Rachel was complaining because people were constantly screaming and hollering in these meetings. Mm. So this was well known before I even ran that this was happening with mm. certain members of the council, the way that the council was being run, the way the meetings were being run. Ultimately, the best thing that could happen is they put a camera, in my opinion, in the side room, not just the main meeting room. Josh now works at a local sporting goods and farm supply store and has no desire to run for public office. That was it for him in terms of getting involved in, in any kind of politics. Well, and he, he just was wants passionate to when he life. started. Oh yeah, my gosh. It sounded like that it. That child had dynamics. He yeah. had vision and he had um, the power of his ward behind him. Mm-hmm. And at some point, it just didn't work anymore for him. According to CityTRF.net, the pool fund still had a balance of $257,348.20 as of December 31st, 2022. Five years after the brawl at City Hall, there are no solid plans in place to build either a pool or a splash park. It's too bad, but that's what happens to our lives in these small towns. They ebb and they flow and they take They bring passion and they bring achievement, but they also kind of take it away, too, in a small town, tough to replace. Thief of a false vocab lesson. Hot dish, as in, mom finally made my favorite hot dish again. The one with the tots. At least it better have the tots, otherwise I'm going to burn this whole place to the ground. Hand over the tots. 
Ham bun, as in. Jessica is getting married on Saturday, and I heard they aren't going to have any ham buns, so I'm not going to go. What would be the point? Get ready to cater a funeral! The following contest will be decided by one bite. On this folding table, we have the heavyweight champion of 1986, Tater Todd! Hot dish! On this folding table, we have the underdog, the titan of North Tindov, the mighty Hambon! After a starchy start with tots on one side and pre-sliced white buns on the other, you can the tots have been laid out on a baking dish in a very satisfying pattern. Oh, ham bun can't compete with that. This is truly a match for the ages. The fans are sliced down the middle, much like the buns themselves. And it looks like they're getting ready. Oh! Oh, cream mushroom soup! Cream mushroom soup has jumped the ropes! He's in the... Oh, is that a can opener? Oh, he's taking a can opener and opened his own head! Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I've never seen... Oh, it's pouring itself onto the tots! Absolutely covering the tots! By God! Oh, it's a devastating blow to Team Hambun! Oh, folks. The bun is quickly stuffing itself with ham, but is there any amount of ham in the world that can compete with a saucy tot? Oh, here comes the pastor. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to say goodbye to Arvin Arvinson, husband, father, extremely bad poker player, and a proud man with a shellfish allergy. <laughs> and now we will retire to the basement for lunch. It's time, folks. It's time for the fork to meet the plate. The hungry mourners are descending the stairs as we speak. Now, how are we going to wrap this up in time? The pressure is on and the time is nigh. Both Todd and Bun are staring each other down. One hit could wrap this whole thing up. Now, here comes Ham Bun. He's going to, now, you see, he's going to go for the Todd's, but the size difference is massive here, so he's got to be thinking. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who's that? Is that? Oh, GF got taco truck! Let's load up with fried red tacos, top of the ground beef! There's shredded lettuce! He got dashed tomatoes! He's got the green and cheddar cheese! Oh, that's two slices of olives! Oh no! No, it's a little triangular packet of sour cream! Next week on This Small Town, Allison clocks in and checks out the local job market. Thanks to Key Teeters and Josh Hagen for talking to me for this episode. To keep up with everything happening in this small town, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at smalltownpod and on Substack at allisonpage.substack.com. 
This Small Town is written, produced, and narrated by me, Allison Page. Theme song by Al Kong. Additional narration by Peter Townley. This Small Town logo, also by Peter Townley. Special thanks to some folks who supported the Indiegogo campaign for This Small Town that helped me get this thing started, including Genevieve P. Extra special thanks to supporters who gave at the majestic ham bun level, and for whom I've written short bios as if they were born and raised in Thief River Falls. And for any supporters who were actually born and raised in TRF, I've reimagined your life anyway. I'll regale you with two of those tales now. Thank you to supporter Ken G, who started a jam band in the parking lot of the TRF Walmart. But due to creative differences, he left to start a new jam band also in the Walmart parking lot. The first band refused to leave, and now every Tuesday night, the two bands play across the parking lot from each other while holding hard eye contact. Sometimes they accidentally harmonize, and it's really quite beautiful. Thank you to supporter Stephanie W., who painted her house chartreuse, causing a series of city council meetings about whether it was illegal to have a chartreuse house. Ultimately, that's not what got her evicted. It was the swimming hole she dug on 130th Avenue for her pet ducks, which were all named Janet for ease. Okay, until next time, remember, Hi to the folks!